The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of the owner, staff, or management of this radio station. senses and challenge your beliefs a world where science and religion clash or do they you will meet real people and hear real stories but you will not believe you will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds but you will not believe this is the new england ghost project welcome to the nightmare good evening everyone and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsing. With me all the way from across the pond is Mr. Parascience himself, the dapper, handsomely, ruggedly Steve Parker. All right, don't overdo it. Well, I just want you to make feel make you feel good in case we our guest doesn't show up again. Uh, do you know we've, <laughs> we've we had a Skype test, uh, Sean and I, the other day, um, and it uh-huh. worked absolutely perfectly. Um, does, no does problem. Does he really exist? Yeah, he absolutely does exist. And uh, we, as I said, we Skype tested the other day to make sure that there weren't going to be any problems. Um, <clears throat> I guess he's and he can tell time, right? I guess so. <laughs> this is really bad, isn't it? I mean, we're not well, doing very well. <laughs> you know, it could be one of these time slips where we're in a different time than he is. Part of the quantum thing. I, I've, I really don't know what's happening. Um, it, it, we've had a run of uh, guests with problems over the last few weeks. Uh, I guess people I, are going to be sick of hearing you and me. I noticed it's mostly from your side of the pond, I'm just saying. Uh, well, actually, it's 50-50, um, although I did organise both, um, but one from over here, Sean, and Rick from your side. Um, we've had problems with both of them, so I guess I, I guess I should stop arranging the guests for a while. <laughs> Maybe they don't understand your accent. Maybe that's what it is. Well, Sean should. He's English. Anyway... While we're trying to get hold of him and messaging him on, uh, as it said in Star Trek, hailing on all channels, I'm trying him on Facebook messaging and I'm going to text his mobile number. Uh, what have you been up to this week? Because it looks like from Facebook you've been a busy boy ghost hunting. I am a very busy boy. Uh, yes, that's what I do. You know that, don't you? Yeah, you oh. know, it's really funny. I, uh, I have the three radio shows, Ghost Chronicles International, Ghost Chronicles Next Generation, and Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition. And you, you think I've talked about everything and seen everything, but it, it continues to surprise me. And it, it's so difficult in what we do to, uh, you know, you try to look at it logically and scientifically and try to explain things away. And and you, you can't sometimes. It, and even... There's this 
that doubt of that, you know, you're just not getting it right. I don't know. It's, it just drives me nuts. It sounds like you're alluding to something that took place that's uh, got you a bit, a bit befuddled. Well, you know, well, mediums are, are a hard lot to uh, understand. Um, uh, yeah. You know, you, 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 you can't put anything, you know, really prove that where they're getting these messages from or anything. And yet they come up with stuff that's, God, it's hard to explain sometimes. And, and that's kind of what happened to me uh, uh, this weekend. So uh, it's, it was interesting. Uh, we started to uh, get images of this. Uh, the mediums, there was like three people that uh, uh, sent them, including myself. I was involved in this mess. And um, we began seeing this man in uh, 50s hairdo, uh, smoker, white T-shirt, black jeans, naval tattoos, uh, you know, bracelet, uh, metal steel bracelet, uh, Sarah. Mm -hmm. Uh, 50s kitchen, metal cabinets, white, the color of the silver uh, handles and so forth, tiled floor, metal uh, kitchen set, blah, 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 blah. A real tough guy. And we were at a location. We couldn't figure out why this guy was at this particular location. So anyways, we, uh, at the very end of the night, we just jotted this all down and everything else. At the end of the night, we were talking to a couple of people that were at this location, and they said, okay, this is what happened. We met this guy up here. This is the way he is. And all I looked at her, and her face just went totally white. And she said, that was my father-in-law. And he's buried out back. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's really bizarre. I mean, how do you explain that? Well, I mean, the obvious one is I wasn't there, so uh, I don't really understand the full, you know, I wasn't party to the full context of what took place um, yeah, or, what to, or what took place beforehand. You know, it, I know I'm not wishing to diminish one, one iota from uh, what, what you've just said or what may have taken place, mm -hmm. but... I'm just telling it, you what happened. Yeah, and, I mean... You know, the, not, the, that's not open to debate, because that happened. No, right. no, exactly. But um, what, so what, what your I, explanations? That's what I'm. Well, I what I have about. seen in the past is okay. a medium seemingly giving a very, very accurate reading, yeah, uh, or, or coming up with some, you know, very, very accurate information. Mm -hmm. But um, what I did see some, well, several tens of minutes earlier was mm -hmm. that same information being passed between two of. Uh, the audience uh, whilst outside on a break. Um, now, did the medium overhear them? Um, I think it's highly likely that either the medium on that occasion or one of the media, uh, medium's mm -hmm. friends or, or, or assistants certainly could have passed that information on. It was very, very obvious uh, that what the medium said was... was uh, very close to what these two ladies have been talking about in quite a loud voice. Now, that's just one instance. That's one, you know, one time where I experienced right. a seemingly um, amazing 
communication being mm -hmm. offered, but with another explanation. What happened? Right. You were there. You were the investigator that was on the site. Uh, yeah, and, and and I was one of the mediums. Well, I mean, being I say, I, when I say one of the mediums, I don't possess, profess to be a medium. I was involved in the, getting this information that we uh -huh. were the, the three people were. So that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that I was a medium at, in, no. or anything. You know, that's uh, not quite. But right. you, you were the one there. You're the, you're the one that's. I mean, you're, you're a skilled investigator. I, I, I wasn't there, so, you know, I can't explain it. I can't, you know, I can come up with possible scenarios. Right. At the end of the day, I, I didn't have the benefit of being there. I didn't have the benefit of seeing the full experience. Um, and any comment I give would be really rather superficial. I, I know. That's, uh, that's kind of what I was going back to this thing about, you know, it's, it's so hard to explain and understand you know because on face value it doesn't make any sense that we would even be able to come up with anything of anybody who would be associated be to any degree of accuracy and yet it happened uh how did it happen well you know that's another story well you say that you say it would be uh, irrational and uh disconcerting but but why should that be the case i mean don't we don't we know of lots of uh, well documented cases where information seemingly from uh, a discarnate you know from the dead um from the other side from some some very hard to explain uh, source has has been verified i mean i'm i think back to the r101 incident with eileen garrett where information was passed via Eileen Garrett at a series of seances that, you know, even today, sceptics have, have a great deal of trouble explaining because some of it was, at the time, classified as top secret mm -hmm. and wouldn't have been known to, uh, certainly to the medium or those participating in the seance. And to a large extent, they, I mean, they weren't even considering... Um, the the R101 incident, the airship, the R101 was a big airship that crashed in northern France. Um, oh, okay, because I wasn't quite sure what you were talking about. I thought that was the name of an experiment or something. Yeah, it was the it was our version of the Hindenburg, um, oh. and it, on its maiden voyage, on its maiden flight to India, um, I forget the exact date, but it, I think it was in the late 1920s. It crashed uh, in northern France. Um, killing most of the crew on board but very shortly afterwards the uh, some members of the crew of the airship started to come through at seances by uh, conducted by well initially by harry price um, mm -hmm. and and also a journalist now they'd gone along to garrett um who is a very well-known medium to try and communicate with with the recently deceased arthur conan doyle uh, to do a feature, you know, would Conan Doyle speak to speak to Harry Price through, you know, from the other side, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Oh, that's cool. And what actually happened is, um, you know, the crew of the airship, the captain of the airship, started to come through with information that that was quickly recognised as being significant to the crash and also of a of a sensitive and potentially secret nature. Um, but interestingly. Um, it's it's quite an involved story, uh, but interestingly, another member of the 
crew, uh, not the crew, the the sort of the the office based technical side of the R101, um, also independently went to Garrett uh, and received information. Uh, relating to the to the crash, and in fact, the the um, the information that was taken through the seances was actually passed to the investigative committee that were examining the crash of the R one hundred one. Although obviously there were difficulties using it, and in fact it wasn't right, used. Right. Um, but you know, subsequently the information was found out to uh, you know was shown to have been sensitive potentially top secret in, in parts relating to the technical aspects of the airship. Uh, and certainly there was no way that, that Garrett, Price, or any of the other se- participants in any of the seances could have known uh, this information. Um, and so, you know, is it that surprising that, you know, these, these seemingly from beyond the grave communications do take place from time to time? And we you know, we're left floundering in the dark trying to explain them. So they're, they're one of those things that are, are, can't be explained at this time, then? Uh, I, I think, well, certainly with, with the, uh, I mean, I know sceptics have, have had a go at the R101 case uh, over the years, um, but nobody's ever been able to satisfactorily explain it. I mean, they, they sit back and they, you know, they, Say well, obviously there was fraud involved, and obviously somebody told somebody else, and obviously you know, but they can't actually prove it. Um, Garrett was a very interesting character because, although she was a medium and and a medium of of quite some repute, she herself didn't actually believe in an afterlife, um, and she she spent a great deal of her life trying to understand her ability or this this ability that she seemingly had and went on she she was um she went on later to found the parapsychological foundation uh, which is a research organization based in america still exists to this day and is still very active in psychical research uh, because she wanted to to uh, have scientists explain to her why does she have these uh, psychic visions? Why does she hear voices? Why does she see the the things that she sees and gets these messages? Because she didn't think that they were from dead people. Um, and okay, yet, that's the whole thing. We we really don't know where mediums are getting this information, and can we say they're getting it one hundred percent from dead people? No, we can't. Uh, we we can't, but some mediums do. Interestingly, there are some mediums who do insist that they're speaking to, you know, uh, the dead. Because that's what uh, they believe. Because that's what they believe. Um, right. Like a lot of people would argue and believe that mediums are mad and that they're self-deluded. Um, I think there is... I, I think anybody who's studied psychical research in any, in any depth... Uh, has to reach the conclusion that the that we simply don't know that there is compelling evidence to support mediumship uh, with with the dead, mm-hmm. but there is also compelling evidence um, that demonstrates unequivocal fraud. Interesting. Yes, I mean I think that we can prove. Right, we can prove the fraud. Uh, I think I think it's a natural human reaction, isn't it? When when faced with something as seemingly um, 
bizarre and well the implications of the dead surviving are are, are huge i mean that it would it would impact on religion it would impact on society um you know would murder be would would murder still be a crime if we could prove that the you know you survived death um you know we've got generations of mediums telling us how wonderful the afterlife is um you know would people be hauled off to prison uh, or yeah, put in the electric it still, chair. It would still be robbery, so it would probably be like a the highest form well, of robbery. Yeah, well, I mean, what would it also do to religion? Um, well, you know, a lot of religions do believe in life after death. In fact, the majority of them do, except for well, in, in some degree, they all do actually. Yeah, I think, but I think that the implications for you know society, for religion, for you know for for our our whole life, or, you know, every aspect of our life would be massively impacted if if we were able to prove life life or an existence of of you know our soul or life force beyond death um, yeah, i i don't agree with you on that i don't really think it would that would be the same way as as if there was life on other planets i don't think in the grand scheme of, scheme of things it really matters uh it, it really doesn't well, the whole of our society is based upon certain fundamental principles. Um, you know, America, Britain uh, were, were founded on this uh, on this set of principles, in which the state and religion are, are sort of inexorably entwined with one another. Um, and all of that really hinges on the fact that we die. Um, <laughs> and we and do. We... Uh, and even in any case, our corporal body does die. Well, there's no doubt about that. Um, right. I think I think that's one thing that that psychical researchers and mediums uh, can agree on. We physically die. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's what happens to the soul afterwards. Um, and I think and it's, it's funny you say that, Steve, because if you believe in that, I mean, most of the civilized governments, when they do put people to death, they do have some type of religious person there to arrest their soul, so they're basically saying, yeah, there is life after death, we are going to take care of you, even if you're a son of a bee, uh, we'll pray for you. I mean, that's, uh, you know, even on death row, we, we have priests, we have, uh, uh, I, I'm sure you have vicars, I mean, even in, like when they beheaded the, the queens and stuff, didn't they have religious people around when they did that? Oh, absolutely. But, I mean, yeah. how much of that, how much of that, though, really is to assuage the state and uh, to offset the guilt of having done something. You know, I, mean, I don't, a, well, I'm not saying it you know, is, I, but... I, I don't really believe that, that either the, the British or the American states um, actively allow a priest or a, a minister there for reasons of um, making sure that the recently or soon-to-be-departed is cared for on the other side. Um, yeah, I think it, there's really, you know, it's really for the, for the living for the survivors, for the families of both sides, and also, to an extent, for for religious for religion itself, because you know religion does play a key part in both you know in in our government and in our society, uh, and has to be involved at all levels. You know, we we get born, we get baptized, we get married in church. Um, there has to be a sort of finality and, and a religious involvement. So I don't really think they're doing it for the for the soul of the of the murderer or the 
you know the person to be to be put to death. I think it's more for the uh, appearances' sake, or maybe I'm just being cynical. But anyway, any chance has our uh, guest showed up yet? <laughs> they actually tried to call him on the telephone with no luck with that. <sighs> Perhaps he's gone over to the other side as well. Well, you know, I'm thinking. Uh, and, and, you know, because it was really interesting, I post, I don't know if you saw it, but I posted on uh, my uh, Facebook page this interesting little Nazi thing. Uh, uh, I had no clue what it, does, what it has to do with ghost detectors, but uh, it was on his website and it showed up in the... Did you see that? Uh, no, I missed that one. I, I've been... I've actually had quite an interesting week myself, but... We're, um... Oh, do tell. Well, you know my fascination for low-frequency sound and all things infrasound. Uh, have you ever come across? Have you ever come across the hum? I, I, I'm very aware of it. Um, yeah, there, there's actually been several cases of it, including in the United States. The the the, the biggest ongoing one, I think, at the moment is in Windsor in Ontario. Um, mm-hmm. But it is a worldwide phenomena. Uh, right goes back to about the 1970s uh, a little earlier but it, it now is pretty widespread well of course the hum it's low frequency it might be sound some people think it's an electromagnetic phenomena or mm-hmm. a government conspiracy or an alien underground base or god knows what all different things well at the start of the week um i noticed that there was a group of people in our local paper uh, talking about the fact that they have been suffering from the hum for the past 12 months and wanted some some help, wanted something, somebody do something about it. Uh, they, and, of course, it's, it's something that um, I'm interested in and it's very close by. So later this week, um, I'm hoping to encounter um, firsthand my first, my first hum uh, really? And take, take down all of the, the appropriate equipment because if it's an acoustic phenomena, mm-hmm. uh, then I should be able to measure it. Absolutely. Uh, if it's an electromagnetic phenomena, interestingly, uh, as some people, some of the forums and groups obviously have been doing it, playing catch up with the reading of it this week, um, again, by by lucky uh, by lucky coincidence, I have the right equipment to be able to measure the right range of electromagnetic frequencies. Um, remember, we talked about EMF meters in the past, um, and we have uh, a, a sort of EMF meters that will give us frequency and amplitude. So, if it's an electromagnetic phenomena or if it's a sonic phenomena, um, by by lucky coincidence, lucky chance. Um, I have the right equipment, and I'm in the right place for once. So I'm really looking forward to the end of this week and getting uh, up close and personal with the hum. Is this the Bristol hum or another hum? Uh, no, this is a, the, the, this is a, a, a newer one. Um, it goes back about 18 months. It's based uh, in West Wales, in, near, the ta- uh, near Pembroke. Uh, that's Pembroke, West Wales, not Pembroke, Massachusetts. Um, and so it's about four or five miles away from me. Um, now, interestingly, over the last 48 hours, I've been making some additional infrasound measurements um, at home. But looking at the specific frequencies 
um, of the of the hum, which are non-infrasonic. They're above the infrasound range, so above the range where I normally look. I tend to measure below 20 hertz. The hum tends to be in the range of 30 to 70 hertz. So I've moved the equipment around a little bit, recalibrated it a little, and um, I've seen some interesting measurements uh, that give me an idea of some possible ideas as to what to look for. Uh, well, you've heard of it, the ones in San Francisco, right? Uh, yeah, that's another of the famous ones. And uh, you know that has been solved, right? Well, there's a lot that a, a lot of people claim they have and a lot of people claim they haven't. Um, I, I know at the moment the biggest one is the Canadian one, where the Canadian uh, federal government are pumping millions of dollars into a research program um, that involves everything from you know uh, environmental agencies through to astronomers. Um, over the years, the Bristol hum has come and gone. People have claimed it's been found, it's been located, it's been cured, but it's still being reported. Um, even you know, as recently as last month, there are still campaigners out in Bristol, which well, is about hundred. According to Cornell, to Cornell University, uh, the hum in San Francisco, and I'm just saying San Francisco, is caused by the male plane fin midship fish. Uh, I, yeah, produces- I, I, I read that. Yeah, uh, might be the case, um, and you might be simply dealing with lots of different causes. Um, you know, we don't have the male plane, whatever it was, aeroplane <laughs> fish um, here here in West Wales, but we we have a lot of heavy industry. Um, mm-hmm. In Bristol, they have a large, you know, they have industry, they have a large city. Um, in Ontario, they tracked it down to two sort, two possible sources, eliminated them both, and then the hum came, and then the hum was still there. Um, so you might be dealing with multiple hums, or you might be dealing with, as some people uh, genuinely uh, believe, and research has been done here. Um, I think at Cambridge, uh, the audiology research unit at Cambridge have actually started to suggest that what you might be dealing with is a psychological problem um, that starts with people's oversensitivity to low-frequency sound, um, you know, a form of tinnitus. Um, so there are lots of explanations. There, are, there have been several uh, people have come forward and said, hey, we've solved it, and it, the hum's come back again. Um, and there have been, of course, you know, academics that have said, well, we've solved this particular one. It's fish. Um, so, yeah. Is, so, is, Do you have an expert in the UK who who spends time investigating these hums? Uh, well, actually, they don't. They tend to come under the realm of... Uh, most people go straight to their local environmental uh, health department mm-hmm. who... Uh, in all, in all fairness, are probably mismeasuring it because they're set up to measure noise in a more conventional sense. Um, you know, over loud music players, uh, parties, and they deal with the noise noise issues. Um, and I know Thinking about here, noise issues, I do hear the tunes, which means we have to take a break right now. Cool. So, anyways, you are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Parsons and Ron Kolick right here on Tojanet Pararex Ghost Channel Beyond. And we've been talking about the hump, and we'll be right back after the following messages.
Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. of the New England Ghost Project, New England's own Van Helsink. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell, and I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in. Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. Every Wednesday night. At 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so yeah, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like, uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get so scared of one of these Cemetery Tripping things that uh, I'll have to get a new (laughs) co-host. I am brave beyond belief. Yeah, we'll see. scares me. So anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Dan and Ron. See you then. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Mr. Parascience, Steve Parson, and the humble Ron Kolick right here on Tojinet Parax Ghost Channel and Beyond. And uh, we, we actually have a question from the chat room, believe it or not, Stephen. Okay. And this is from uh, Tomo from BCP. I'm, I'm sure that's something, something paranormal. Uh, hi, Ron. I have a question I wanted to ask. You actually, what sort of temperature recordings do you carry out on investigations? Ooh, there's a good one, Steve. That's right up your alley, too. Mm. Well, do you want to take it first? Because I'm just discovering that where you are, um, just down the road from you, you have a number of hums reported. So do you want to talk to Tomo about temperature measurement first while I just check out these hums? Oh, please do. Uh, Anyways, uh, yeah, we use... uh, mostly temperature tags, uh, which are a little 
digital things that uh, you uh, leave out, and they record the time and the, and the temperature all the time. And uh, we download those into our computer, and we can graphic, and we can see, you know, where the spikes were uh, or where the drops were. So we use those a lot. If we use uh, the stealth cameras, the stealth cameras have built-in uh, temperature sensors in them, so they'll give you constant readings uh, when they're tripped. Um, also, I mean, I do have in my kit a couple of uh, laser thermometers, but I don't use those very much because, once again, those are for uh, measuring uh, temperatures a lot of times that's misused, and if you get in the cold spot, it's really difficult to um, measure. I also have, though, uh, the, um, oh, what do they call them, the K-probes, which are like around the millimeter, and they measure the ambient temperature, which it, it gives you more accurate reading uh, for temperature. And uh, I guess that's pretty much what I have. I also have a little gizmo. It's, it's kind of cool. It measures uh, humidity. It uh, measures uh, wind speed, even minute wind speed, um, temp temperature, lux. Uh, a whole bunch pile of readings, and, and that's kind of a handy little thing too. So that's those are the different uh, temperature sensors I do carry in my little kit. I don't use them all the time, though. I'll tell you that only if uh, uh, I think that we need them for a particular location, mm. depending on what we're doing. So that's that's what I have. It what sounds like a, well, it sounds like a, re, uh, a fairly similar to mix to what we use. We we do a lot of uh, baseline measurements using right, yeah. uh, exactly. USB connected data loggers. So they're, they're, they're rather like a USB pen drive. Uh, you set them up, plug them into the computer, set them up via the USB, and then just chuck them out um, around the location. Right. And you pull them in at the end of the night, and um, you download the data, and it, you can display it graphically, or you can load the data then into a different program. Um, so we, we have about 30, I guess, of those, which we, we can uh, place. That's a couple of bucks for those. Uh, we, yeah, um, they, they record the temperature and the humidity and the dew point and other information. Um, yeah, but those things aren't cheap. They're not cheap, but no. they're a useful asset. We, 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 oh, they uh, are, absolutely. I say throughout the team, there's probably there's probably in excess of 30 of them. Uh, they're all That's the same make and model uh, because mm -hmm. that gives us... Uh, a sort of uniformity uh, to work from, and it is an industry standard piece of equipment. Right. Um, there are many available. The one we use are made by Lascar Electronics over here in the UK, uh, but they're generally available. You know, the one makers is, is as good as any other. Um, we have some some obviously slightly more advanced temperature uh, recording equipment, um, including an infrared uh, thermometer. Uh, the, the the standard point and shoot because sometimes you do want to be able to document the the temperature of a wall or the floor or an object, uh, and it's a great easy quick way of doing it in a non invasive way. What about um, a uh, thermal imaging camera? And of course, yeah, I was going to say the thermal imaging cameras, uh, which we have uh, more than one. Um, allow us we use them for thermal surveying um, exactly the same you know exactly as they were built for because you often do want to make a uh, take a baseline uh, take an observation of uh, you know a, a 
whole room. Now, you, you can use the, the data loggers uh, and, and gain that, that sort of profile over time using that mm-hmm. method. Or sometimes you want a quick, you know, a quick rough and ready method. Um, and one way, the best way of doing that, of course, is with a thermal imaging camera. Um, a thermograph contains over 3,000 individual spot temperature readings, uh, which can then be used in the, uh, with the supplied software or additional software to be able to properly map and profile the temperature um, of, of the actual surfaces of the room itself. You know, you can, you can make... You can do all sorts of really clever things with the software, uh, but what it does do is allow you to to gain a really accurate temperature profile. Now, it, <laughs> before we go too deep onto thermal imaging, one of the important things about any piece of equipment, including the thermal imager, is learning how to use it. Most people just simply use it as a camera, and uh, it, they, I don't think they actually use the software discs that come with the thing because... Uh, you know they're not interested in that. They're looking for a, a, a photographic anomaly on on the uh, on the picture right. from the thermal. I was going to ask you about that, but I'll let you finish and then I'll ask. Um, but we use them as they were built for. Um, you know, in order to record and document the temperature, um, and also they do have some other uses in terms of it as an investigative tool because they're, they have. Um, demonstrated that fraud's taken place. Uh, we've, we've used it for uh, detecting fraud where an object has been picked up or touched, um, or indeed a person has been touched during a, a seance session. The thermal imager managed to record the, the, uh, the warm impression of the hand that was left behind. So it, course, it's an incredibly you know, you know, you know they're saying now that, that spirit uh, produces... Uh, heat signatures to right, some of the TV shows? Uh, well, if... <laughs> I remember, you know, there's lots of different ideas. Some people say that ghosts should be hot mm-hmm. um, because... It, well, the classic one is, of course, if a spirit or ghost walks walks through a person or you put your hand through a... Uh, you know, it feels icy cold. So people are looking for cold spots. Mm-hmm. Yet the second law of thermodynamics says that, that energy migrates from, or heat would migrate from the cold to the hot. So if the, go- if, if the theory that the ghost is drawing energy from its surroundings um, in order to empower itself, and therefore the surroundings are cooling down, uh, has any credence, then the ghost should actually be warm. Right, but any, any, uh, any uh, what's the word... Uh, testimony or, or, or uh, reports of spirits through the years have always been associated with cold. Uh, no, they haven't. There's, there's uh, really? the majority, the, major, the absolute majority, uh, are associated with a drop in temperature. But there right. are there are a, a around about twenty percent are associated with an increase in temperature. Uh, so it's not. It, it is actually. Well, that, that, would, that would be demonic, though. You know that, Steve, right? Uh, well, I'd overlook that possibility. But <laughs> most people, most people assume that the temperature will 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 fall, um, or that you know, uh, the presence of a ghost drops it, and that's always the portrayal in Hollywood, isn't it? You know, the breath. You see the 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 condensation from the the poor victim's mouth just before the spirit or the demon appears. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is this 
assumption, this belief that the temperature always falls and falls dramatically. And in the majority of cases, that's, that is true, or that's how people perceive it. But our, our, our bodies are actually really rubbish at perceiving temperature. And a very, very good example of that would be uh, and something that people could easily relate to. If you lower yourself into a uh, step into a very hot bath, you tend to shiver. For a, for a brief nervous moment, nervous you, 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 um, almost everybody will shiver as they step into a hot bath um, and lie down in a hot bath or a hot shower. Um, there will be like a shiver response. And the reason for that is that the cold receptors in the skin mm-hmm. are yeah. slightly high, f- nearer the surface than the heat receptors. And so they get triggered first. Um, and your brain you know, senses or gets the signal from the cold sensors and invokes a, tri- uh, a shiver response. A, 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 you know, a, a few microseconds later, the heat sensors are triggered um, and, and all is well. You sense the bath is being hot. But the initial response is a shiver in many, many cases. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Tomo actually has a, another comment for us. He says, from all the books that I've read in from way back in the day, temperature fluctuation seems to be the main factor in haunting. I was just wondering what other investigators are using. And uh, he says he thinks you should talk about you because his group seems to be focusing more on temperature alone now. Uh, I can can only uh, say that, you know, for a long time I've championed the fact that there are two pieces of equipment that are, I I believe... Um, the most useful potentially within a ghost investigator's toolkit. Obviously, one is um, vision, so your cameras or your video cameras. Um, but I've always championed the need for for temperature measurements because temperature is the one is the one anomaly uh, where we do have going back almost a hundred years. Um, reliable objective measurements taken from within seance rooms and indeed haunted locations, uh, properly measured by people who knew what they were doing and using the right equipment, where the temperature has seemingly done things it it shouldn't and you wouldn't have expected it to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and those associated temperature changes, which I've got to say are mostly downward, but there are some upward ones as well, okay. are coincidentally associated with people reporting a, an anomalous experience. We can go all the way back, way past beyond Harry Price, who, who was measuring and documenting temperature changes within the seance room, back to William Crookes, um, uh, who was a scientist based in Ireland, who studied the mediumship of Daniel Hume, D.D. Hume, uh, and other famous mediums, and recorded temperature anomalies within the science room. It's been documented, as I say, for uh, around 100 years, um, and is something I think psychical researchers, ghost hunters, and indeed physicists should pay very, very close attention to, because we do have this very, very good set of data, albeit somewhat sparse, but existing nonetheless, to to link people's uh, unusual experiences with uh, real 
and perceived temperature changes. In fact, I was so passionate about it, it was actually the first subject for my PhD, uh, but got dropped in favour of infrasound uh, about six uh, months in. Um, mm-hmm. Because I, I, got, I, I went off on a sonic one. Yeah, uh, but ghost hunters, you know, if you're going to go out and spend money on equipment, throw the K2s away, but invest the dollars in thermometers. You can't have too many. Actually, uh, tonight I will be conducting a, well, not, I will be facilitating, I will not be conducting, but uh, facilitating a red light seance and, uh, at the Circles of Wisdom. And while it's going on, we're going to be using temperature tags throughout the room. We're also going to be using uh, several cameras. and Oh, and some EMF meters. How do you like that? Maybe even K2. I don't know. I might try it. Uh, so we, we will uh, have the place wired up, and uh, we're going to do the red light seance. We're going to we actually have a, a trumpet and uh, some bells. So uh, I'll have to report back next week and see how we made out in this uh, little uh, experiment that uh, I'm conducting tonight. Okay. Uh, well, um, just just going back a little bit now to our hum. Um, oh yeah, let's go back to the hum. I forgot about that. You were mentioning it. Closely. Yeah. Um, yeah. 19th of February 2013, uh, Melrose, just a few miles down the road, um, yep. outskirts of Boston. Uh, Malden, yep. um, which was reported, well, funny enough, the same day at 4.17am. 4, 4 uh, Waltham, Waltham, I don't know how you say that. Waltham. Uh, Waltham. Yeah, no, you get uh, described as sounding like a distant truck idling. Noticed at a different address in Waltham later. La- these were both last winter. Mm-hmm. Um, haven't heard it over the summer, but I'm now disturbed by it nearly all of the time. And Roxbury, um, yeah. uh, which is the 6th of March 2013 at 03.40. So... <sighs> There you go. You've got. You've got. There's a few more scattered around. There's one. Yeah, it's probably the big. Probably the big dig. Uh, the big could dig well is. That's uh, the responsible for everything that goes wrong around here. So. <laughs> well, I'm just saying that. You've, yeah, I mean, there, there are te- there are hundreds, uh, hundreds, thousands um, within North America, um, and so, there's now. If people want to go and have a look, if they if they go to a website, which is www the hum, all one word, T H E H U M dot info. There's a map, uh, and they can zoom in and if they have their own hums they can add them too. Um uh, it's a worldwide map of hums, but um You know what you know what that tells me, Stephen? What's that? It tells me since there are so many and there are uh widespread that it's a natural phenomenon. It just we haven't identified uh, the particular reason for it. Um, I th- you see, I'm trying to avoid jumping to conclusions. Um, I know there you are, should because there you are, are an investigator. Yeah, I mean there are there are lots of there are lots of researchers who believe uh, that it's an electromagnetic um, thing. That some people believe it's related to cell, cellular telephones. Uh, some researchers have come forward with the idea that it's fish. Other people think it's heavy industry. Some people think it's aliens. Some people think it's a government mind control experiment. I don't doubt that. And, and I think the danger is following any of those lines of inquiry. Um, and I haven't investigated a hum, but I've mm-hmm. got six years of 
uh, investigating and measuring low-frequency sound. Um, which seems so, to fit right in there. Which seems to be relevant enough for me to bring mm -hmm. something possibly to bear and having one nearby. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm very, very keen to just go and measure it and see what the equipment tells me, see what the... talk to the people who are experiencing it, hopefully experiencing it, experience it for myself, mm -hmm. um, and report back. Excellent. Has um, anyone ever done any correlation between the hums and ley lines? That's always a good one. Um, I think actually they have. Um, I think okay. there's also correlations between the hum and Bigfoot. There's correlations Ooh, good. between Very good. Very good. The, the correlations between the hum and uh, crop aliens, crop circles, crop. alien underground alien bases. Um, ah, very good. You name it, uh, the conspiracists and the wackos have, have come up with it. So. Uh, um, Oh, found a, sef a second map. I don't know quite where you are, but um, if you're anywhere near the Sunrise Shopping Centre um, in a little town um, just outside Massachusetts, uh, Boston, um, there's been a home reported there uh, during 2000 and early 2012, uh, just off the side of Willard Street and Bridge Street. You realise that's uh, down the street from me? I, I know the town that you're in, um, and that's why I've, when I found this other home map, uh, I zoomed in to have a, a close look. Um, it's, it, it, I don't know, were you, were you up to something that day? Were you, on the what, what the were you on the treadmill at the gym? <laughs> what, what, what day was it again? Um, the date just says um, 08-11, so, the, so September uh, 2011. Mm. Doesn't give any more details than that. Mm. September 11th, of course, was something else. No, uh, no, not September 11th. Uh, September of 2011, not 9-11. Uh, uh, okay. Cool. Um, no, but that's very interesting because I have never heard about it. I'm going to do some investigating on my end on this now. Yeah, somebody's. I mean, it, somebody just clicked on and added their their own experience to to this sort of database. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it might just be that a heavy truck was parked around the corner on that particular day, mm -hmm. uh, or or you were on the running mill. I, I was just wondering if that was uh, say a night bean supper at the church that night. I don't know. <laughs> I was just curious. That's all. But I will look into it anyway. So okay. yeah, we'll have to. You'll have to get back to us on the. Uh, yeah, what, what I think would also be quite nice is, um, depending on how how I get on with the hum, it might be quite nice to get uh, to try and get somebody who's uh, experiencing the hum. I, I think that would be a great them. idea. Um, and get their experience, get them to describe their experience. Um, but the first thing you do is you got to ask if they know how to tell time. <laughs> Ask if they know how to work Skype. And Skype. <laughs> Do you know, I, I, oh, I don't know. Try your best. <laughs> well, you know, evidently it wasn't meant to be. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can only assume. Maybe we should try, forget Skype, maybe we should use a medium in future. I think we should. I, I mean, I think we should. I, I mean, I've done shows before where, where we've talked to the dead in the show. Uh, which has been fun. It might be worth it. Well, it's an improvement over the last two attempts by... <laughs> 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 
<laughs> it would be uh, you know, anything would be an improvement. We've had absolutely no luck with this last pair of guests. Um, <laughs> you know, I, it's not that I don't give them clear instructions either. Um, uh, well, maybe it's your accent. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know when I write an email. Do I write with an English accent in my emails? It could be you very don't have well. It. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say you don't have any trouble with them, but um, mm. I'll tell you what. Uh, who has the guest next week? You have. Okay. We'll do an experiment. See if he shows up. Yeah, if he goes on call <laughs> next week. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll contact the uh, ghost detective and, and see if he shows up next week. <laughs> Anyway, if you do it like a uh, panel, get get them all on. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Steve, do you, you have anything else? I know we're running out of time here. Do you have anything else coming up uh, besides your uh, humming experiment? Um, no, I mean that's going to keep me busy. I'm I'm still working with um, the broadcaster I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, putting the final plans together, um, sending emails backwards and forwards between the uh, director who's on the other side of the world, the mm -hmm. uh, UK-based arm of the production company. Mm -hmm. Just It's just dotting the I's and crossing the T's now and uh, working out how many cameras are going to be needed and uh, just to finalising the details. That's going to go ahead in the middle of July uh, yeah. and it's currently looking like, well, it will be 48 hours on location. Um, mm -hmm. I was going to say locked in, but that sounds a bit like Ghost Adventures. Um and, I've already, <laughs> and there won't be any there, there won't be any Ghostbuster t-shirts there won't be any uh, you know spooky uh -oh. music there won't be any mad presenters running around there certainly won't uh -oh. be any psychics and mediums it is it is uh, you know um, the dream program for me it, it's a science focused documentary taking a ob an objective look at what we do over here in the UK mm -hmm. uh when we, you know, uh, go out and look for ghosts. Um, so, you know, I think they're going to be disappointed if they expect to find anything. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm still wondering quite how they're going to make a 90-minute programme out of uh, half a dozen people looking at a computer screen, but I guess they, they know what they're doing. And we, of course, hopefully we know what we're doing. Uh, and I've got no... I've got no qualms about it i've got no problems with it i know it's going to be a good program mm -hmm. um, and a great opportunity to present th the reality of, of psychical research of field investigation that it, it doesn't involve television presenters and mediums and people running about you know on mass through a building waving all sorts of strange instruments and yelling at the dead um, or demanding that they come out or uh, you know attacking with weapons and tasers and Christ knows what else to use. Well, I, I think I th oh, there's pizza from the dead, which means we have to wrap it up. But, hey, that uh, was allowed here tonight. So, uh, tell him, by the way, he has a comment for you. He says, just a thought, but maybe you guys can start having run-of-a-mill investigators uh, like myself on the show, and maybe you might even have a regular guest. Tomo, if you had Skype an hour ago, we were that desperate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds wrong, actually. Tomo, I will be in touch because we do want some um, regular investigators. We do. I, I actually, it, for, since I started Ghost Chronicles, I always had this thing called uh, the.
the ghost hunter spotlight and what we did was we spotlighted other groups see how they did investigating and talked about some of their cases and stuff it's, it's a good program i've been doing it for years and years and i uh, okay. certainly love to have someone from the, the uk on and uh you know maybe we could get some uh, rock parapsychologists or, or something come on the show i don't know well i'll get hold of tomo um in the next 24 hours and arrange for uh, him to join us in an upcoming show. Oh, okay. See, seeing as he's just so publicly volunteered. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't want me to contact him? <laughs> no, I'll do it. I've got to redeem myself, haven't I? <laughs> uh, speaking about redeeming, did you send that package out? Uh, no, not yet, because there's more stuff okay. to be added to it. Okay, no problem. No problem. Just curious. I, did, I was just waiting with bated breath. and uh... Uh, Wait a little longer. It will, it okay. will arrive at you. No it's problem. going to be worth it. It's going to okay. be worth it. Okay, okay. No problem at all. Building the anticipation. Yeah. So anyways, once again, I have my red light seance tonight, which I will be facilitating at the Circles of Wisdom in Andover. Uh, I'm really excited about this because we will be recording everything that's going on. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, I'd i like to really see something happen, you know. I, I think it'd be kind of cool. Um, you know, will it be transfiguration? Will it be physical mediumship? I, I don't know. I can't tell. in the background. <laughs> only for me. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I read that. I read yeah. that. So anyways, from Ghost Chronicles International, uh, Steve Bass to myself, we want to thank you so much for listening and tune in next week when we'll have a real guest. Yeah, love and light. Yeah. Good night. <laughs> Goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.